Welcome to Pod for Teacher. I'm Aaron Fitzpatrick. I'm Nate Langelli. And I'm Kristen Milanovic. You know, it's I'm glad to see both of you, both of your smiling faces. You're beaming ear to ear. Do Yin's guys remember when we recorded these episodes from our tiny, beautiful office studio? Huh? Huh? You remember? Remember? I do. I do. Right. In 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 those uh those echoing walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to have to rethink this if we ever get back into the building because that's not social distancing in that tiny, in that little sucker. I tell you what, we got to, we may blow down a wall or something. I don't know. I did have to, uh, I did have to rescue my headphones from there uh, when I was cleaning out my room. And I, I have to admit it was, All it right. was very, yeah, yours are still in there. Still I holding are it was sad to be in there knowing that it might be quite some time before we get. We get I don't have a key for there, so oh, I can't even get okay. in. So that, that's like a little time capsule then for your beats that you have in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, for those those. Look, I'm wearing a purple shirt today. I, they would have matched. Oh, oh I see. Man. Yeah, well, for missed opportunities, you know. Great. Thanks for describing it to our viewers. I like You're that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so in observance, I thought it'd be fitting to get started uh, with this for today's Bell Ringer. What have you both been doing for your mental health during quarantine when you're not teaching? Well, I know you're going to rag on me because I brought it up a lot last episode, but I, I know you can't see, but there's a lovely lovely hot tubs over there, so that's been an enjoyable uh, time with the fam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've been golfing now that the weather is warm and that we're able to golf and I'm going today actually. So I'm pretty excited about that. I, ha I had a little lesson yesterday, so I'm ready to go. Are, are you basically putting us on the clock saying, Hey, I got to get out of here pretty soon. Cause I got to go. Oh, I would never do that. Listeners, if you notice that Fitz and I finished up the show and Kay Mills isn't around, you know, she had a. That's it. Know, I had a tea time. time. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of tea time, my, my wife and daughters have a little tea party every once in a while. Sometimes I join them. So Aaron and I have a tea party. We we do tea parties. I don't. I, 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 I think. Which Aaron are you talking about? This Aaron here? Aaron Fitzpatrick? Speechless. Gotcha. <laughs> what have you been doing, Fitz? I'm. Uh, I've been well. Um, I, I, now I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about uh, about the about Nate and uh, like how amphibious he seems to be becoming. With the hot tub. Mm -hmm. um, his skin has taken on a new diff, a new tone. <laughs> You're just jealous. It's all right. That's that's what it is. And that's we will not right. make you miss the tea time. My back was hurting. Maybe I'll just show up later. Right. It's. You know where I. You know where I live. I Come do. on. I do. You know, there it is. Well, we digress. We digress. I don't know if you guys noticed, though. This is how we are. This is the bookend of the season, right? It wasn't the first episode with Kristen here about mental health. We talked to Mr. Joe Testa himself. And now we're, you know, referencing that May is Mental Health Awareness Day. Like, sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Circle. Yeah. So I, well, I, I did get out on the golf course one time so far, Chris. I'd like to get out a little bit more. My game is weak to be. Uh, You're <laughs> to still be, probably be better than me, though. Right? Oh, so no. Probably. Betsy, you've golfed with me, buddy. You know how weak I am. So that can make you feel better. <laughs> That's because your bones are soft because you're in the hot tub so many hours a day. Now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I believe we would hashtag that fake news right there. I don't think you understand the science about hot tubs and. <laughs> bone structure and bone structure. We'll have to, to 
water, sports. We'll have to bring on an expert to to discuss that at a, at a later episode. But listen, yeah. uh, my uh, ten by thirty blow up pool that I'm gonna that's gonna go up in my backyard here pretty soon. That's gonna be real nice. <laughs> Would you find it a funny prank if I shank that blow up pool? Listen, if the, all pools close, I am prepared. That's all I can <laughs> say. <laughs> Um, outside of golf and, uh, you know, like those, those sorts of activities though. Um, one thing I've been, I've been playing more guitar lately, which has been making me pretty happy. And, um, I've, I've been watching a lot of, um, a lot of live streams on, on YouTube and Instagram and stuff. Um, a lot of my favorite musicians have been playing, playing shows and, uh, it's kind of neat cause it's like, uh, you know, it's like they're playing like a personal concert, you know, and yeah. they talk about each song and stuff like that. So I've been catching as many of those as I possibly, as I possibly can. And, um, kind of made the decision today after kind of toying with it for a while that I'm going to probably do one of my own here, uh, Friday night. So we'll see. Wait, how that like, and whoa, what time? Eight o'clock, eight o'clock on Instagram. All right. I'm in. Yeah. We got to get the word well, out. Let me check my calendar. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> we'll publicize this. Yeah. Are you going to play a banjo? I do not own a banjo. That's what no. Ukulele? No. no ukulele. Hmm. Um, but but maybe a surprise instrument in there. We'll have to see. Wow! If, if, if you need backup on kazoo, I got you, man. I can handle. I can do a mean kazoo. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate. Yeah, it. I, I have an accordion connection, so whatever you need, buddy. Oh, you guys are great. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, last month we talked about COVID nineteen and. The quarantine, quarantine teach, which was last month's episode, and how teachers had been adapting to a new academic reality. But today we're going to ask how the students are actually adjusting to the online learning in this age of COVID-19. And we're going to get into that along with a special surprise that we have for everybody after this word from Eric Carmen. Welcome back. He's a 2018 Freedom Area High School alum and a junior communications major at Robert Morris University, where he serves as the news editor of Century Media, for which you can find him in print, behind, and in front of the camera. And he's the co-host of the podcast, Where's the News? Please welcome our surprise co-host for today's episode, John Blinn. John, welcome to Pod for Teacher. Thanks for having me on. You can't tell because you know you're listening to a podcast, but that that introduction really made me blush. Honestly, I got it. <laughs> I think uh, I think from this point on, though, we're gonna have to cancel all those other accolades that you mentioned because this is this is the peak, right? I mean, where do you go after being on Pod for Teacher? This is like being on David Letterman. <laughs> I think actually, after being on here, you get blacklisted. So <laughs> we have that's a fair point. It could be a cancel either way, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you, you may so want to I check your. Uh, could take you. Right. You may want to check your login credentials, John. Like after this is over, to make sure you can still access Century Media. 
<laughs> and speaking of Century Media, I did happen to notice that you shared on social media that you were doing a uh, handwriting letters challenge. JB, is that correct? Is that? Yeah, um, we discussed in the last podcast. Oh, God, I'm on another podcast talking about my podcast. Jeez, how's it going? Wow, I'm going to throw up now. No, I, I, brought, I brought it up. I brought it up. Similar to you guys, we're just trying to stay busy as well. So what we did was we picked uh, just from a list of recommendations of things to you know stay busy during quarantine, and two of the hosts would pick for the other. And I got the short end of the deal. They had the journalists doing the writing challenge, and I got to write my dear sarcastic friends Garrett and Nick personal letters about why they're so great. If you would rather, you can write us dear personal sarcastic letters as well. You know, or just, yeah, I like put in yeah. a nice card. You can, you could. We're more than happy to read those as well, or try to read them with your handwriting. I'll, I'll spray some perfume on it, Langella. You can expect it by the end of the week. Oh, wow! 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 I'm not sure how you have my address, but that's fine. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. Well, John, welcome, welcome. And uh, to answer our essential question, we're going to get right into some of the reporting on our issue here today. The USA Today reported that even though nearly all American children have been home from school for almost a month, their experiences continue to be wildly divergent. Some districts pivoted immediately into online learning in mid-March, while others waited a few weeks to launch a formal virtual learning lesson plan. Some schools require work to be graded, where others are telling teachers that all students get an A. Some you all get not, my book. Sorry. What's that? That's what you like? I said you all get A's in my book. I just wanted to throw that out there. So oh, thanks. I appreciate that. You need that sometimes. Yeah. yeah continue. Sorry. Sure. Well, they're <laughs> stating that some, but not all the differences boil down to family income and resources. And it's hard to learn, especially remotely, if you don't have the adequate shelter, steady meals, attentive parents, access to technology, and familiarity with the English language. So between widespread band, broadband access issues and additional worries about the physical health of loved ones, unsteady personal finances, botched routines, and the difficulty of working, studying, and teaching in cramped environments, the, the disrupt, disruption and stress is likely to continue. While many private and affluent schools were able to tra transition to an online learning environment seamlessly, Concerns remain for our most fragile populations who could very well experience unprecedented academic regression, right? And we don't even know what that future impact could look like. Right. But most schools serving low-income students have faced daunting challenges in this new world of learning. Districts alone cannot always solve the problem of internet connectivity. Many families live in places where service is spotty or even non-existent. As a result, many schools have no idea where some of their children are in regards to academic progress. Even some wealthier districts are struggling though. Middle and upper income suburban districts have also struggled to help disadvantaged families get connected. Beyond that, expectations vary for student engagement and how much new material to cover. Even within the same district, children's experiences can depend on who their teacher is and what level of interactivity and engagement they choose to have. Locally, we're fortunate enough to have the Bus Stops Here Foundation. It's, it's a foundation by um, former Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Jerome Bettis, and he's launched a new campaign called Team 36 Connecting Kids. The goal is to provide laptops to students who do not have one so they can finish their schoolwork. 
currently he has supplied to um, one local school that I know of. And there's a currently an online campaign to help raise funds to purchase additional equipment for multiple schools in this area. Obviously, not all schools and children are able to benefit from something like this, though. So I don't know, Aaron, what do you think with all these obstacles that we can't seem to fix with school and online school, what can um, teachers and schools do to help our um, students and the capacity to address all of this? Well, here, um, here's some can, here's some answers to that question according to Ed Week, uh, who published this piece. Um, they say, number one, navigate the storm currents all in one stream. Communication is the lifeblood of the home learning experience. So if possible, streamline your messages by type. Multiple channels of communication are necessary. Each communication channel should only broadcast one type of message. By streaming one message or instructional support per communication channel, students and families will know exactly where to look for that resource. I can completely agree with this. I can. Just from being a parent who's trying to teach my daughter, I have no idea where any of the info is that we currently need for ordering yearbooks or anything. It's because each teacher is doing it differently. So I agree. Mm, now if you need to know how to order one of our yearbooks, just let me know. I, I got your back. I, I did. I, I didn't. I know. I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. Did, um, did you did you pay her to say something like that to segue into selling more yearbooks? There, Fitzy. Did you? Moving yeah. on. I mean, the, the, the Sony yearbook that is available currently, uh, is, is that the yearbook you're you're referring to? I believe the so. The yeah. uh, Shawnee yearbook is still for sale. Yeah. Oh, Wait my goodness. Yes, yes. You didn't you didn't offer like golf lessons or anything? Is it? Is it, I'm I'm sensing I'm sensing some backdoor dealing going on here. <laughs> so if, if I have if I offered her golf lessons, I would have to pay her. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anyways, um, yeah, and I think you'll I think you'll you'll both like uh, have moments throughout this list where you're thinking, man, uh, you know, th this sounds familiar. This is something I dealt with. It's something I've heard about from a colleague and stuff like that. Um, Number two, uh, they say no matter how high the waves reach every family and child, because uh, it takes uh, more effort to reach the most troubled students, be creative, be consistent, be persistent, diversify your method of outreach, phone, voice, text, app, social media, local community partners, even the mail, uh, build a bridge to positive communication so learning can occur. Um, be bold and brave with the content you present. Instruction in the middle of a crisis can be tough, Teachers often feel and interfere that new materials or skills can't be mastered. We can't observe our students' ah moments in real time, so teachers are reluctant to approach uncharted instructional territory. Trust the process. Offer video reteaching. Uh, these can be uh, these can double as actual parent supports, particularly with high school content. Students who understand the concept can provide small group instruction to peers create additional opportunities for Q&A in small groups based on students' assessment scores. Um, the fourth one they have, uh, create structure, space, and order in your home learning arc. This is a, that's a big one, right? Um, Very much so. Categorize your new dig digital instruction universe into three groups, essential, of interest, and optional. Master the essential tools first, those that are adopted school, uh, those that are adopted school or district-wide. Move to the interest and optional resources when you need further support in your online instruction, when you're presenting complex material, or when you feel student interest wavering. Carve, an, carve out an island of calm in this. Can I back up there? Like, so wait, creating that space, like for Nate, 
do, yes. do, do you use the hot tub uh, for <laughs> learning with your kids? Yeah, well, uh, specifically like, swimming. Is it like a reward? Uh, well, it's, you know, in terms of life, it's important to enjoy life, right? To be able to find, a, like, being out of the craziness of being locked in their homes or can't go here, can't go there. It helps provide I don't know, some normalcy. And so, yeah, I don't, we don't do necessarily math in the hot tub. We can, though. You're like, hey, how many? We really can, yeah. How many pets are there? Well, well, Rosie likes to play hide and go seek in the hot tub where you can't really hide. But, you know, you can stand still or sit still like a statue and she'll count. You know, we'll do that or um, <laughs> you know, spit water at each other. That's always fun. So, you know, yeah, we do. Our, we, yeah, that is a carved That's out. Kind of the home learning arc, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that arc with a K or a C? That's what I want to know. Is that a. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> uh, at this point, I think it could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> based on your interpretation of that statement. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of storms, and see what I did there? It's Ed Week says to carve out an island of calm in the storm. Um, and remember to take time for yourself because a calm, collected teacher is able to focus and excel, balance the moments of your day. Hobbies do matter. And that's something I've, like I said, I've, I've been kind of really getting back into lately. Um, enjoy engaging in the process of creating art in any form. Make yoga or home fitness a part of your day. Uh, nurture your body with self-care and delicious foods. I have definitely been doing that. Uh, more than well, more delicious foods. <laughs> Maybe half of that, right? The delicious yeah, food part, sure. The more delicious half of that I've been yep. definitely indulging. Um, make it a habit to celebrate yourself each day. I'm sorry, not to, not to downplay that, but is this one of those SNL Stuart Smalley things? Like, <laughs> you're valuable, you're like whatever. You're yeah. good enough, you're smart enough, and yeah. God darn it, people like you. Exactly, <laughs> that's it. I, I butchered it, but yeah, we can do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but um, as we continue to navigate the waters of the COVID-19 crisis, day by day, two things are happening. We're getting better at the instruction that we're providing, and we're one step closer to reaching the new world of instruction of the COVID-19 crisis waves are taking us to. So when the history books are written, lessons learned will become best practice. One fact will shine through. Teachers built, teachers navigated, and teachers steered through the waves of the COVID-19 crisis, bringing love from their hearts and learning to the students of their classrooms across a virtual divide. Shifting gears just a little, um, not everyone shares the same sense of empathy, and it's no secret that teachers are the target of some truly ignorant attacks on social media. From our favorite, must be nice to have summers off, to a new rising star, why should teachers get paid not to work? I should get paid to homeschool my kid. The fun never ends, right guys? Uh, uh, Nate, uh, you have two school-aged kids and you and Amy are both teachers. Have you, you been enjoying your vacation and how much should you be paid to homeschool your kids? Oh, I, I tell you what, it's uh, it's been like being at the beach every day. You know, we have birds singing. No, it's been... Well, I, I, I don't really do much. With, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is crazy to think the mindset, like people aren't really, we've talked about this before, in any profession, if you're not actually in it, then maybe you should be very careful with your words as to how you speak about said profession, right? We don't really walk in other people's shoes. Um, but yeah, it uh, it's quite it's quite the challenge, quite the task, you know, balancing, you know, Kristen, you know, the same thing here with doing all the work, but then also being the parent and making sure that the kids are getting their work done and trying to balance all that out. It's, uh, it's been quite the ride to say the least and a ride that could very well continue 
you know, into the future. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, um, that actually wasn't my real question. I, just, I couldn't help it. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help it just throwing that out there. But thank you for indulging me. But uh, anytime, man, anytime. But uh, real question, as we wrap up the 2019-2020 school year, a lot of uncertainty still remains regarding our next steps, uh, which you sort of alluded to a second ago. Anyways, what can we expect education to look like in the fall? Well, just a personal intake there. It's it's still a big unknown. And uh, well, yeah, obviously, time will tell. Uh, but according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, school systems in the thick of budget season, are budgets important? I don't know, money? Who knows? They're now scrambling to avoid bleak scenarios as the pandemic pushes the economy south, jeopardizing budgets that must be passed by June 30th. The economy's rapid slide has created uncertainty for leaders who had prepared initial budgets for next year based on local and state revenues projected pre-coronavirus. Now with businesses closed and unemployment skyrocketing, imperiling tax collections, no one is sure what to expect. Budget forecasters have predicted states could take big hits of up to 15% in revenue as a result of the coronavirus slowdown. Pennsylvania's Independent Fiscal Office has projected a revenue shortfall of up to $4 billion this year and next, <clears throat> and next due to declines in income and sales taxes. Compared with the recession a decade prior when education spending by states fell by 8%, the projected losses are massive. And unlike the last recession, which took years to unfold, it's happening immediately. A 15% cut to state education funding next year with no additional federal stimulus beyond the CARES Act could mean the loss of more than 300,000 teaching jobs nationwide, or 8% of teachers, according to the analysis. That's triple the teachers lost in the last recession. In PA, more than 9,000, or 6% of teaching positions could be cut, and more than 10,000, or 7% in Jersey, analysis show. State revenue cuts will most hurt poor school districts like Philadelphia, which rely more heavily on that funding. And then in recent weeks, PSEA, who represents 180,000 Pennsylvania education professionals, reached out to members to let them know that, along with the elimination of teaching positions, resulting cuts could also mean the elimination of programs like art, music, and sports. Those aren't important, are they? Nah. Uh, and increased class sizes. So, long story short. Things in grades K-12 to could look a lot different in the fall if nothing is done to address these concerns. On a more positive note, since PSEA's message went out to members, in less than a day's time, members sent nearly 5,000 emails to federal lawmakers. If you What's that? Getting it done. There you go. If you haven't contacted your senators and representatives yet to ask them to support federal funding to help us weather the storm and get through the COVID-19 emergency, we hope you'll consider doing so. And as far as post-secondary education is concerned, oh, my, 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 that's a whole other animal in and of itself. NPR published a story last week that suggests the ways colleges and universities might look different this fall. While some institutions have already announced plans to remain all virtual for fall 2020, others are planning delayed starts, hybrid models with some online and some face-to-face -face offerings, shortened blocks, limiting the number of students on campus, or modifying procedures to enable students to return to campus safely. With many factors to consider in making those decisions, including the number of positive cases in those particular areas and the availability of testing, time will have to tell, and a lot could change between now and August. But with all that being said, one thing's for sure, there's certainly a lot of drudgery in the news, especially between folks' frustration with stay-at-home orders and juggling online learning with all the other responsibilities. So we have all this coming at you, coming in. So JB, Johnny Boy. Is there any room for a mixer of hope 
and optimism in that negativity cocktail. Um, I don't know how to put this lightly for you, Mr. Langelli, because I know you like to look on the uh, optimistic side, but no. Um, I think we should wrap up the episode here, and I mean, th- th- there's no, there's no hope. It's, it's no. burn it to the ground. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm kidding though. I, <laughs> I mean, like, what kind of host would I be if you guys just recruited me on here and I'm just like, no, it's it's over. You can run for the students should just give up. I'm not going to do that. Well, you brought up Letterman before. It might be like that Joaquin Phoenix interview he did years ago with his sunglasses and beer. Like people who didn't know what to expect. It could just be like that high of what just happened. Like what did we witness or listen to? I don't even know. Before I dive into what I have, though, I kind of wanted to ask you guys a question. As yes. educators, with yes. all the uncertainty going around with your students, what would you say to them? Keeping this in mind, you guys know what the government's doing to sort of get things back on track for teachers, but students may not know about that. So what is something that you would tell them in this uncertain time? Uh, what you said, that all hope is lost. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think yeah. we found that, I don't know about you guys, like I, I've definitely found uh, kind of a lane that I've tried to stay in, like with this whole thing. It's like, it, it almost doesn't, um, doesn't matter. Uh, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. I, I guess like you almost sometimes have to disregard at least temporarily, like suspend your, your feelings of, like, of pessimism should they arise you, you it, because you, you have to be kind of that beacon of hope for, for students. Sometimes like they look to us for the path forward in a lot of cases. And if we dwell on the negative and, and remain pessimistic at all times, I don't think we're helping them too much. Now, that being said, I think it's important that we're honest with them. Like, you know, if we share our concerns, we talk about the things that we believe, um, you know, could be obstacles to clear and, and, and the difficulties that we're experiencing too, because they need to know that we're real humans and not just shells that, that teach them in this new online learning environment. But, uh, but I, I do think a lot of times, that, you know, like there, there's so much uncertainty. Uh, there's so much maybe fear and, you know, uh, apprehension that, a lot of times I think that we need to be, uh, you know, we need to fill that, that space for our students. You know, I, I have, a, I have a question to your question, John, like, as I look at you, right, 2018 graduate, so two years ago. So in those two years you've grown, right? Like as, right. as, as a student who goes to school, like you realize that you can handle more than maybe you thought you could, you know, possibly while in high school because you're you're living on your own and you're independent. So try and put yourself back, right, to the days at school and as a high school student. What would you have needed? I think I, I would that. just. What's that? <laughs> Not back that. then, but now. <laughs> Um, honestly, I think I would just need some sort of reassurance that, I mean, now that I've been exposed to the world and I've had some sort of sense of being on my own, I don't really have as big of a comfort zone as I did back then. But for me, when I was in school, one of the things that I was comfortable with was just being there and doing the activities that I was involved in. For example, some of the stuff that you guys mentioned could be cuts like sports and theater and things like that, as well as just being in the classrooms. I mean, Uh, Personally, from my experience, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in the podcast with you guys, but the teachers made being in school comfortable for me. So I think I would just need some level of reassurance as to things may not be exactly the same, but on the school's behalf, you know, it's going to work to keep some sort of 
steady constant for you so that you can have the not only education that they would want, but the experience overall that would keep them wanting to go. I hope that answers your question. Is it does. And I mean, it's a good, and like I said, and I mean, your question obviously is very thought provoking because I think, you know, for the first time, the first time ever in my career of any kind, um, the every, no one is sure what the, where the road will go. And that it, that, that level of uncertainty does, you know, bring you to a, to a new point of self-awareness and a new point of, um, as a teacher saying like, okay, like we're going to do this, like it's going to be okay. Um, but again, you know, I, I know myself as well as, you know, Aaron and Nate, like we, we do kind of, you know, we're, we're different. And personally, I believe all of the teachers at our school are different. I think that they, go above and beyond to reach the students to try and, and, and let them know that things are going to be okay. But at the same point, we really don't know, but we, we know that this too shall pass, right? It's just a matter of when. And I think you're, I think you're right about that too. It's, I think you mentioned it fits Kristen. You're talking about it. Being honest is, is important. Yeah. You can say that it sucks. We can, we can admit it's not like we have to live in denial and say, oh, everything's fine. You know, everything. No, it sucks. But like you're just saying, Kristen. You don't put those rose colored glasses. Oh. Oh. I, I just put on rose colored sunglasses. See, see? Get wow. it? Yeah, uh, that's that's a Kant reference in case you didn't know. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to say that. I should have a rose tattoo for Rosie, but I don't. So, yeah. but okay. I have anyway. Get her some rose colored glasses. Uh, why don't? Well, you can just drop them off when you use when you guys come down. When I use the hot tub. Yeah, that's your payment. Okay, um, but no, the idea is, if we, I mean, I do teach history, but there have been so many examples throughout history where terrible, catastrophic things have happened. Yet, we, as people, we've been able to pull it together and overcome and rally through. But the going through process is going to be tough. And so I think if we can convey that message that, yeah, it's tough. I'm sorry that you're going through this. I empathize. I sympathize. Um, but we're in this together and, you know, we're there for you to try and provide some sort of stability. I think that's what we can do. Because right now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of sick and tired of all the noise in terms of, well, you should do this. You should do that. You should do that. Like, no, let's just cut down to the, you know, get, let's get down to the root of it saying, no, we're going through a tough time. But together we can, you know, make our way through it. Okay. We have each other's backs. And so. Um, that's, that's kind of where, where the hope comes from, I guess. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think through those answers, I mean, it's pretty clear to see that there is room for positivity in this time. Reader's Digest actually published a story recently titled 18 things homeschooling made us appreciate about teachers. And as last week was teacher appreciation week, we thought it would be fitting to end on a high note and highlight some of the positives that have come from this virtual learning reality. Hey, JB, before you get to that yeah. list. Uh, we're still waiting for our teacher appreciation gifts that I thought you were going to give us for all the, uh, send them with the letters, if that's oh. okay with you. Yeah. Uh, just don't, please don't put your eyelashes in there or anything. Cause that'd be really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned I needed a haircut. I don't know about the eyelashes. Well, that's all right. Fair enough. Anyway, diving into the list. Number one, 
how they make things that are considered boring, they make them fun concepts. So, I mean, Fitz is probably particularly difficult for you at this time. I mean, you had us read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin when I had you. You're welcome, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, how hard they work to connect with each student. And as we sort of touched upon, this is one thing uh, I see a lot of professors at RMU doing, and I know all of you do. So that's just something that I think we should take a minute to appreciate. And number three was how much patience they have. And again, knowing you all personally and knowing that you all have me in class, I know all three of you have patience. <laughs> I wish listeners could see the looks on your faces. <laughs> is it purely a time when uh, I feel like we have one an episode where, where the moment was truly lost in the audio only format? <laughs> number four in this list is to appreciate how tough it is to teach more than one kid at a time. And I think that's definitely sort of harder now. It's got to be harder for you guys because you're not sitting with all those students at one time. I mean, everyone's schedules are different, especially now, considering that, you know, people are working and things of that nature. So that's definitely something that you have to take in mind. Number five is to appreciate how much they put up with parents. Um, and particularly, I wanted to bring up a story from RMU. I took a rock and rhetoric class, which sort of discussed the history of popular music. And uh, when we reached the era of disco, uh, you would have thought the Bee Gees were teaching the class the self with the way that certain students' moms were just popping into the Zoom calls. And they are really into disco, man. I didn't know it until we were learning about it. But simply rolling with the teachers, that brings us to number six, is to appreciate how the teachers roll with the punches. And we've seen that now, considering the fluid situation that we're currently dealing with. Number seven is how fast they eat. And Vincent and Langelli in particular, I've seen you guys eat. I don't know if that was a challenge for you guys, right? You can throw it back pretty quick. Yeah, I've never really, even though we don't get a whole lot of time in the school day, I was never like, oh, son of a gun, there's only 30 seconds left, I have half my lunch left. <laughs> I have, I do have to say though, I mean, and, and I, I'm, I still, I don't, I'm still not exactly sure why, but like I have, I've missed more, uh, I mean, you can't tell by looking at me, but like I've missed more meals during quarantine than I ever did before. Like whenever I was where I felt like I was busier. And I think it's just because it's like, okay, well I have, I have a, I have this much time between this call and my next call. Um, I got to get this stuff done. And if I get this stuff done, then I can go and do that, you know? So it, it completely changes the way you look at your day, your work day. And then, you know, you get through it. And at the end, it's like, oh my gosh. And part of it, I think too, is like maybe our, our work day starting a little bit later. So like breakfast and like the morning, uh, the morning tea, right, Kristen? Uh, yeah. Our tea time is, uh, is a little, it's, it's only for, tea is for fancy folk like Kristen and I, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> If you're fancy, <laughs> it's similar to you. I've been skipping meals as well, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I sleep until 1.30 in the afternoon, um, given that there's nothing to do. I was going to say, is it really because you're missing meals because you're so busy, or it's just a poor reflection? You're not moving around enough for your body to need the calories or the energy to actually burn off something. So I mean, that's definitely worth considering, but uh, <laughs> a topic for a different day. Number eight is to appreciate how incredibly organized teachers are. In this case, I could never be a teacher because, I mean, I'm a, my, my work zone's a disaster. Again, you've had me in class. You guys know this. <laughs> Number nine is how teaching kids is more than just sharing information. Number 10 is how their workday never really ends, which leads me sort of to another brief question that I wanted to touch upon. Is this something that you guys felt students struggled with as well, is that this 
there's just this never ending work day. I mean, and it's not that the assignments are never ending. It is just the fact that you have all day to do them and there's nothing else to do. So in a way it feels never ending. I guess that could be a, a factor. Sure. Um, I don't, I'd have to get, you know, their perspective on it, but it's, it is kind of weird. I've, I, at least maybe it's just me, but I've noticed that in this sort of setting, I've been having to go back and kind of grade things as they come in. At, like in school, maybe with due dates, people would be more like on top of things, you know, with turning in assignment. But now it's just very weird. Like I'm always going back. Some one person turns something else in, one person turns mm-hmm. something else in, one person turns something. So I go back to the same assignment over and over again because it's like, it's a very weird, but maybe it could be true for students too. But yeah, you're right. There's having all, there is no, with being so flexible and trying to get through it, like quote unquote due dates are very fluid right now, what that really means and like when students have a chance to do it. So uh, yeah, that seems like a fair argument for students as well for it to kind of be a, a different uh, take on it there. Well, and you think about it too, like there's a lot of times whenever, I mean, and I, I know I'm not the only one that that, that, that goes about things this way, but um, you know, a lot of people like to leave work, like in a normal setting, like leave, leave their desk clean, you know, have all their emails filed and answered or whatever, just so you can basically come back the next day and start the next day fresh. But when that's the- only for OCD people, buddy, that's that's for you. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I, I don't know. I feel like Kristen could relate with that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. we, we're, in, in many ways, we're cut from the same cloth. <laughs> but uh, I do. I do that, yeah, like, but like, to your point, what you were saying is, you know, like, yeah, when things are coming in at all all hours or whatever. Um, you know, whereas in the past, maybe it was, okay, well, you know, I, I stayed at work a little bit. I, I, I took care of that. And then I go in the next day and where and pick up where I left off. Now it's like, well, you know, I have, have these things going on tomorrow. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. There's nothing else going on. I can, I can open up the laptop one more time and grade that assignment real quick and then give some feedback and then close it up again for the night and then not have that on my plate for tomorrow. And I, and so I, I think students are doing it as well. I mean, I, I, I can say for our publication staffs like we've jumped on google meet calls at whatever hour you know and and where i where i never would have tried to have them meet like that you know in any other time or whatever but it's like well what else you know there's no there are no activities there are no jobs well that's not true but i mean most of them are not working like they used to outside of uh you know their schoolwork or whatever so yeah absolutely it's like when there there is no hard start or end time um and there are no there are a few other options it really does have a tendency to kind of extend that day, which can be exhausting. Like I actually had a, a, a colleague of mine that teaches uh, up near Erie that um, described it as like, it's all the work. It, it's every bit of the same amount of work. It's all the work, uh, but none of the fun that, that goes into the job. And, um, and I, I think that's what we're kind of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Regardless of how it happens, it's something that we should definitely appreciate. It's just how long the days are feeling, especially now. Um, but we'll move on to number 11, Reader's Digest takes a minute to appreciate how teachers are therapists as well as educators. And I think that's one of my favorite points on this list. Um, I want you guys all to know that uh, reaching out to your students and just, you know, asking how they are, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I think that's one thing that I've appreciated during this time. Number 12 is how creative they are in teaching the same thing in different ways. Uh, that's one thing that I recognize everywhere. I feel like all the educators I've ever met are always trying to complete something like that in one way or another. Number 13 is how much weirder math has gotten. So props to the math people because God knows I'm a communication major for that reason. Number 14 is how much extra stuff they do in their classroom. 
15 is simply how knowledgeable they are. 16 is how school librarians don't get enough love. I agree with that. Google Scholar is a pain to fight with sometimes. And 17 is how much they care about the whole family. And lastly, we're going to wrap up with to appreciate how much they really love the kids. Mm -hmm. That was very lovely, John. Thank you. It for was lovely. It, you know, it's funny. Last week, I I was there to collect the senior project portfolios. And, you know, I, I wasn't thinking how I was going to feel, right? Like, that never entered the equation as the students pulled up handed over their things. I went inside, got their cap and gown. And like, I, I was getting very emotional. And I was like, I, I think I told more students that I loved them last week than I think I ever have in my entire career, right? Because I was, it was very emotional. And it was, uh, I did. I mean, you care about all of them, each one. Right. And I think if the perseverance through this all doesn't demonstrate some sort of love, then I don't know what does. Yeah. yeah. We had the opportunity last week also to get, to go back into the building, uh, some of us for the first time since, uh, since school was closed, to basically clean out our rooms and prepare everything for the summer, which admittedly is always sort of a drag because, you know, even when you have students there to help you with that, it's still like the end of an era, you know, like one, one door is closing and, you know, and, um, yeah, I know, like, I know you, you've all been in my room before. It's like, I, I'm there a lot. So like, I want to make sure that there's like a lot of color in there and there's stuff on the walls or whatever. So when you take all that stuff down and it kind of feels like a cell, it's always sort of a drag, but um, something was very different about that experience uh, last week when I was in there. And, I, and I'm sure you can relate, uh, uh, Nate and Kristen, that I, it hit me hard. I like, it, it was heartbreaking to be in there as if time had just stopped on May 12th, or I'm sorry, March 12th. And, um, you know, things were left on the board, papers were left where they were, and, you know, things were like left in progress in so many different classrooms um, because everybody, you know, like sort of believed that we'd be back, even if not that, you know, for a week or two after that, that we'd be back to kind of wrap things up the way that they should have been. And um, to know that some of those seniors in particular would never set foot in any of those rooms again as students, just really like, Oh, that was, that was a crushing, crushing blow. And like, I, I really had a hard time with it while I was there. And it, and it's not that I hadn't let that sink in. Like I knew that, you know, we've known this for a while now, right? Like nothing has changed in that capacity, but um, actually being there, like the, without that closure, just really kind of uh, really kind of set in. And um, I hope it's a feeling that, that none of us ever have to feel again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, going through that, it's it is very. Like you bring that point up though, like how impactful our senses are. Right, going back into a certain place, like the the reminders that we have, and unfortunately, we're not sure when we'll be able to go back in to like set it up again. Right, it's like we are able to tear it down, close it out, but then we still have this huge, big like question mark about the future. Can we go back in? You know, when we're supposed to to be able to say, "Hey, welcome to a brand new year." Um, so who knows? It's still a, a huge unknown. We're still, you know, a few months away from that. But yeah, it is very, very surreal time. So I mean, like, I, John, for, uh, for you in particular, I mean, I, I, so we're talking from a teacher's perspective, and you know, this this episode we wanted to be a little bit more focused on on the students' perspective. So you, you were, you know, you went right up until right up until that moment yourself as a student at RMU. You were busy, like very busy with all of your your, your coursework, but also your Century Media stuff. And I know that you did 
did get to go back there and chase the Easter bunny, which you can talk about if you'd like. Um, <laughs> um, it's a great story. It's a beautiful story. But, uh, I, but what, what was that like from a student's perspective where, you know, you're the, the middle of a year where you're, you're doing so much important work just was like an upended that you didn't know when you were going to be back? It felt like, I don't know how best to describe this, but I think when we were there, I, I remember thinking to myself, this feels like a movie. There were ups and downs to it, similar to the plot of a movie. Um, at first, they told us, you know, we're we're off for a few weeks. We're going to still stay on campus if you'd like. So that was nice. I was like, I'm enjoying this time with my friends. I'm still getting to see everyone. Not everyone was going home at that time. And particularly, I remember I was speaking to a senior classmate at the time. And I was like, hey, you know, we should hang out this weekend or whatever, something to those lines. And the very next day we get this email that we all have to leave the dorms. And I did not see that senior student again. And being in a college where people are from all over the United States, there's a chance that I may never get to see them again. So it's, it's kind of a bummer, but at the same time in that weird sort of limbo phase, when we were all going through it together and figuring this out together as students and as teachers, I feel like that gave me some pretty fond memories. There was the night that it happened, we just got back from senior break. And this is before they told us we had to leave the dorms, just that we were going to online classes. It was so weird. We were just sitting in a room together and just talking about this is never going to happen in our entire lives again. Like this, mm -hmm. this is most likely not going to happen. I mean, I don't want to speak for sure, but it's something to consider. And it was just like we were sitting around just taking in the surrealism of what was happening. And I, I very, very vividly remember that night. And it's just, like I said, there's ups and downs to it. And I think it's something we should all consider. I, I agree with you there. And I don't know about, you know, Fitz, Kristen, talking with other students. But I've been talking with my students over the past couple of months, similar, kind of similar experiences, but some of them, I don't know, they really struggled with it though, too. Uh, not knowing, especially seniors, like, because for a while they're holding out hope, right? Maybe it's just a few weeks and we can get back and maybe we can do things like prom. Maybe we can do things like having our graduation. Maybe we can do this or can, and no, you know, it's like for millions of students across this country, around the world, like that's, they'll never have some of those things, right? Hopefully maybe some schools like our district, other districts, maybe trying to do those later on this summer or at other times. But I know there was a huge, it was a huge shock. Uh, and uh, some kids were really struggling from you know, just talking with them. They were having a hard time. A lot of them didn't, maybe for the first couple of weeks of school, weren't really getting online and doing things as they're just trying to wrap their heads around everything. And uh, I just know it was really a roller coaster for, uh, for a lot of students. And so it's, uh, like I said, we, we use the word surreal a lot, it, hopefully never happening again. Um, but again, as we've gone through it, I have seen a lot of those students now kind of make that turn and they are a little bit more you know, positive, have a little bit more of a you know positive outlook as to like what the future is going to hold. They've kind of like you know uh, grappled and come to terms with like reality and stuff. So I'm proud of them in that sense that they were able to kind of they they dealt with it, you know, or they're dealing with it. And it seems like a lot of them are able to make that progress, but there are still some who are really you know still struggling and trying to you know cope with it all too, um, for for a variety of reasons, a lot of different factors. So. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I wasn't a part of that 2020 class during my college experience, but I think my hopes for, I mean, I, I, I was friends with the class of 2020 from Freedom and friends with the class of 2020 at RMU. So I think my hopes for them is just that through all this weirdness that they're living through, it brings them together in a way that, you know, maybe 
makes this time a little bit easier to get through. And maybe they are able to find some sort of unification through just this experience as a whole, you know, you just know, the you say that. So today on the news, they were talking about how Beyonce is going to do some keynote speaking and the Obamas are doing. And so the, the news people were like class of 2020, like you have Beyonce as your keynote speaker. Like all of these celebrities are stepping up to help make it what they want it to be, be or, you know, what it could be because they realize I and as you are adults, you're realizing, wow, like that, that is a huge, huge milestone that's, that's being taken away for no fault of their own. Right. And I think it's pretty commendable. And like, I mean, who knows the class of 2020 could end up with some of the most amazing takeaways from their graduations that it might mean even more you know, than, than what the actual ceremony would have. Who knows? And and on that note, I want to give a shout out because we do random ones to hope to get maybe a little bit of money uh, as a result of it. Uh, any, one, yeah, you mentioned Beyonce, but along those same lines, you follow in John Krasinski, SGN, some good news. He put on like a virtual prom, virtual graduation for people. So if you're, if you're listening, um, you know, kudos. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, all right. yeah I, I agree with you a lot. It's a very, even though there's a lot of negativity, there are some, you know, some things that no other graduating class will probably ever get to experience. Have, right. Right. Yeah. Knock on wood. Right. All right. Well, um, when we come back, we'll hear a student's story about how he's adapted uh, to life as an online learner in the era of COVID-19. And then we'll meet with another one of our alums. Stick around. The views and opinions expressed on Pod for Teacher are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Freedom Area High School or the Freedom Area School District. Any account of this podcast without the written consent of the CDC, the World Health Organization, and our man, Dr. Emmett Brown, is strictly prohibited. I realize this time has flipped a lot of people's schedules upside down especially those following planned action because no one could have planned for such a thing. I just hope that these times bring people together rather than break apart relationships. Personally, I have found this to be a quality chance to reevaluate my priorities. With this time where I've been freed from many of my obligations, I've been able to partake in activities that I actually enjoy during my free time. It has given me a good look at who I am and who I want to be. I've had opportunities to tackle many tasks that I've been putting off and pursue so many more hobbies that interested me prior to the outbreak. I'm sincerely having a good time involving these new activities into my upside down schedule, and I would certainly recommend others to try and do the same. This is Uncle Griff. Don't go anywhere. Pod for Teacher will be right back. She's a 2017 Freedom Area High School alum and a senior secondary English education major with a communications minor at Slippery Rock University, where she works as an educator in SRU's Transition Achievement Program, serves as the editor-in-chief of The Rocket, and works with WSRU-TV. Please welcome Hannah Shumsky. Hannah, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) It really does. It truly does feel like just yesterday where I was on the floor in the corner with one of my friends in Aaron's room getting ready for Nate's AP US history exam. 
<laughs> so it's truly crazy to see all this now with, you know, everything being online as well, especially those AB tests as well. Now, so, yeah. I wouldn't. Now I wouldn't tell I wouldn't tell him this, but I'm happier to have you on the show than than John Lynn. So Hannah, I, I mean, what? Oh, John's still on. He's oh, still he's here, Nate. Fitz, take that part out. <laughs> <laughs> We're leaving it in. We're leaving it in. Um, <laughs> um, so Hannah, so I, I I remember talking to you right when um, right as schools were starting to close, and um, one of the conversations that we had had to do with you know, how we were going to handle this as as people that were uh, kind of dealing with the news, right? So like my capacity mm -hmm. as an advisor with our newspaper and even the yearbook um, and yours as the editor-in-chief of The Rocket. Um, and, um, you know, you're, you and your staff opted to keep things going, which is super admirable and, and just, it changed a little bit. But um, if, if you wouldn't mind like talking to us a little bit, like how, how you had to adapt um, as far as, you know, like covering the news was concerned, and and maybe even if you, if you don't mind, maybe speaking to how uh, maybe it's been a challenge to kind of uh, to report on a topic like this whenever there's so much misinformation that goes on around it, and um, you know whenever somehow a uh, a topic in in medicine becomes polarized politically. Right. So first of all, just experience experiencing all of those changes in such a short amount of time was insane. <laughs> um, so basically what ended up happening for me from my perspective was that I was supposed to be in Los Angeles for a conference during spring break. And we decided to not go a week before. And then we were home for spring break. And then we started hearing all this news about other local universities, either extending spring breaks or just going online completely. One of the first ones, that we noticed at least was Westchester on the other side of the state, which is in the same system as my university. And they just went online completely right away. And then just being in contact with my advisor and everyone, it was just so much insanity just being managing that information. But what's really admirable about our staff and especially the other students on staff with us is that everyone just basically jumped right on it. We had one of the most impressive things I think we have done is that we had a ongoing list of all the local universities and what they were doing. And we were updating that in real time. And even as I got into Fender Bender that afternoon, hearing all this news, <laughs> everyone was able to keep up with that. So even though we were not going to be in person or at Slippery Rock for a while, it was really awesome to be able to see all of us come together virtually and from across the state and across the area being able to cover all this news consistently. Um, we actually had a podcast that came out. We had it released every Friday for the um, extended, after the extended break. So we had a good group of all of us working hard together. So it really does speak for all the, uh, 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 what do I call it? <laughs> all the friendship and all the teamwork that we built up during the, time of that year before we went on that extended break so and then as for the misinformation too it is definitely frustrating as a student and being in an area that well specifically my county there were a lot of posts on social media um prompting reopening soon just it was really difficult at first to see some information being taken out of place or some people who were not experts on the situation you know what I mean? Just 
it it was a little hard to handle at first, but once we were getting in back into our groove of okay, we're taking this information here, we're going to be talking to sources on campus, experts on campus. Um, our news section in particular actually was able to talk to an economics professor, I believe also a public health professor and other people on campus just to get as many perspectives on this issue as possible. Well, that's awesome. And I would like to say, I think I gave you a lot of practice on dealing with misinformation and what I do in school every day and trying to teach, you know, the youth. So you're able to deal with a lot of the lies that I've told you over the years. So I think that, <laughs> well, uh, I'm just kidding. I don't lie in class. Right? Don't try to anyway. Uh, but no, yeah, that can be that can be kind of difficult, I would imagine, to try and wade through um, all that stuff that's coming at you there. Uh, I'm just curious in that role that you have there and maybe even just, you know, college experience in general, what would be or what would you say is your biggest obstacle or hurdle that you kind of have encountered these past couple of months? Uh, that is a really good question. Thank you. I think, I, I think for me personally, it was definitely not everything happening so quickly. I'm a person that likes to have a plan and likes to stay in control of that plan. So basically my entire semester plan or my entire plan for the short term, at least until Slippery Rock announces a definitive plan for what they're doing for the fall has been changed completely in a matter of days or honestly, even a matter of hours. So it's, for me personally, that was definitely the hardest part, but just another difficult part was definitely not being able to be around everyone. I mean, some of my closest friends from the Rocket WSRU TV, I have yet to see. I've only really traveled to see one person from the Rocket or TV, and that was under an extremely social distance situation months after everything initially went down. But I think having, I'm definitely lucky enough to have the technology that I have to have the support at our university that if I didn't have a connectivity issue that I could have received connectivity help or had some sort of uh, instructional technology assistance to get me where I needed to be. But still, definitely the atmosphere of my university and our working space as well. I definitely miss it. I look forward to the day we are back there. So yeah, it's, it's definitely hard still not having a certain answer as to when things are going back to a quote unquote new normal. You know, um, I think having a reopening plan in my university's county being on the reopening phase already is a little bit reassuring, but still, we're just taking it a day at a time at this point, as I'm sure all of you are as well. You know, it's interesting. You referenced that, you know, the group that you were going to go to Los Angeles with, and then you all kind of started to process the information to then execute it, put, to put it into motion and get it out. I, I feel like, and I'm going to compare myself with this. Like, I feel like I've, I've done well, quote unquote, teaching and connecting with the students because I had three fourths of this school year for them to know me and know my personality and know my, um, you know, way of teaching. Just if we are to start this way in the fall, like what limitations would do you see for your programs with having new students? like come to join. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's definitely a big question. And on a personal note, I feel like that's why a lot of universities are starting to announce that they're planning for any situation, including on campus or including a full online starting in the fall. Slippery Rock kind of made a statement just letting us know that they're taking every consideration into account. I know RMU made a similar announcement at least a week ago, I believe. But um, I mean, for me personally, that will mess up my program. Definitely. I'm supposed to be in a practicum experience in a high school that semester. Hmm. So I will get back to you on that. <laughs> we'll see for that. Um, so I think there's also going to be a lot of adjustments with class sizes as, as well. I would say that's a very fair adjustment as well. Um, Slippery Out doesn't have that many auditorium classes, but I would imagine they would have some sort of social distancing measure to some extent within there as well. So I believe we've come up with a lot of creative solutions to those problems as well. Like, for example, I'm not a, I'm a communication minor, but I have a lot of friends who are communication majors. And one of them in particular, she's also on the rocket staff. She's not able to do an internship, but instead they're doing a summer class with college communication projects. Okay. And she's going to be doing a research investigative project around that instead. So I believe there's alternatives to a lot of these upcoming situations. I believe so far it's been impressive what people have been able to come up with. Mm -hmm. And I think there's truly a lot to applaud in that. So I don't know if I can give an accurate prediction of exactly what will happen, but I can definitely see a few points that I would be surprised if they don't change come the fall. All right. So Hannah, I, I guess my question is, as someone who, you know, sort of also works in media at our school, I'm out here talking to the competition. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hannah, why don't you tell us what your podcast is? That way your name's out there as much as JB's was when we introduced it. That way if people want to listen, what podcast were you associated with? You mentioned one. Yeah, so we started up the podcast Rock Talk. It is on WSRU TV's uh, uh, YouTube page. And it's also health, on our website. Healthy competition. I like it. Okay, go ahead, JB. <laughs> anyway, Hannah, I, I know that one thing for me was that um, the content that we were looking at covering sort of changed as soon as this all hit. And also the way that we went about covering it. Like, I... As Fitz mentioned, I was chasing around the Easter Bunny because he was social distancing. And one thing that we sort of focus on when we do packages and things like that are man on the street interviews and things like that. And I think all media sort of relies on interviews and some sort of face-to-face -face interaction. So I was wondering how at Slippery Rock, you guys have gone about covering the stories you wanna cover. How has that changed? And how are you maintaining those social distancing rules in a way where it's still safe to get the interaction you need? Yeah, so first of all, I want to applaud you and everyone else at RMU that's still doing coverage as well, or it has been doing coverage since COVID, because this has been extremely difficult, not only to be a student and possibly even a graduating student this time, but also to be someone covering exactly what's happening to us. So truly, props to you, us, and any other student journalists or advisors listening to this. Thank because you. Same to you. We are because we are awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we definitely, I believe none of our staff members were actually on campus at all. We mostly went home or stayed at off-campus apartments. Like you, we weren't allowed to stay on campus unless we had a reason to. So most of us, social distancing, we didn't do anything actually in person. So a lot of what we've done has been either 
remote interviews. So over phone call or Zoom. Um, graphics, we haven't really done any more photography during this time. So our photo section became our graphics section basically. And then we really ramped up with the podcast because one of the first things I came up with, I wanted to put out there on the table was, hey, we can't really do much in person, but we can play with audio a little bit more. And I know that's something our advisor, Dr. Britt Inclement, really wanted to emphasize as well. And another thing about Slip Rock in particular, and I think Armia might be the same way, is that the Rocket and TV both have the same advisor, but they work closely together for a convergent model. So having multiple types of media, example, TV and print linked together in order to produce media content and news content. So a lot of us have the same experience or have a little bit experience in multimedia and written word as well. So, but yeah, absolutely our coverage changed completely. We wanted to focus on COVID as much as we can, but we wanted to give as many different perspectives as we could. So we talked to professors, we talked to students. Um, I'm actually working on a video right after this, talking to essential workers. and. Um, getting their perspective of what it's like to be an essential worker during this crisis. So our goal was definitely to get as many perspectives as possible while also breaking the hard news directly to the SRE community. Hannah, I want to switch gears a little bit. I, I could talk to you about uh, student journalism all day long, um, but uh, I'll spare the, the, the listeners. <laughs> I'm here for a special brand of podcast listening, and and I don't think that's completely it, right? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so uh, switching gears a little bit, um, you are you know working towards your your degree, and, and you're gonna you're a future teacher too. You're not, you're not just a student. Mm -hmm. You're you know you're, you you kind of have uh, both perspectives to offer there. So um, has the outlook of the way things may change as the result of the COVID-19 pandemic um, made you think any differently about entering this profession, at least at this time? I'm not saying uh, suggesting yeah. that you would have any doubts or uh, um, change of heart or whatever, but um, like, how has it made you think about your transition from student to teacher and, and what that might look like? And, you know, like, and is that something that, that worries you? So if this COVID crisis has taught me anything, it taught me that any plan of mine can and possibly will not happen, <laughs> or at least the way I want it. So I'm definitely fully prepared for being flexible, finding what's out there. At this time, I'm mostly leaning towards either a graduate degree right after and just going straight into a program at a, a graduate school or going into the job field directly. At this time, if I had the guess, I would probably go the grad school option. But at this time, I'm still very confident in my choice. And I honestly being experiencing and seeing, seeing how other high school teachers are going with this crisis and supporting teachers in this time kind of makes me a lot more impressed. You know what I mean? Just being able to admire everything you're doing. Obviously, I wasn't in a practicum experience this year, so I haven't really been in high school classroom seeing a teacher or observing a teacher for a couple of semesters now but I definitely admire all of you a lot of my experiences of freedom are why I want to become a teacher so I think my path is still set but again anything could happen at this point so <laughs> I'll get well, back to you on that as well <laughs> encouraging that it hasn't you know dissuaded you at all now this next question is for either of you JB Hannah yeah let's get down to the nitty-gritty here 
if you want to share, I mean, it could be political thoughts on being reimbursed for tuition. That's a huge topic, right? Because you're saying, hey, I'm paying for the experience. I'm paying for the campus. If it's all online, why am I still paying these thousands of dollars um, for my classes, for whatever it is? So if you care to share, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. I've heard a lot of different you know, takes on it. I'm not obviously in there. I'm getting old now. So it's been a while since I've been in college. Uh, but I was just curious if you wanted to share. Again, this could be for John, for Hannah, for whoever. So what do you think? Thoughts, reactions? I was very happy with what my university did. So I was actually a resident student. So I was living in a dorm again. And they reimbursed us for 50% of housing and meals if you weren't staying on campus. All of the fees, but I think three or four. I can't remember. Well, I think two or three, actually. And those were about technology and academic enhancement, but like health services, counseling services, um, parking pass, we got in birth, we got a refund for. We did not get a refund for tuition, and I don't think we should have because, again, our I'm very impressed with what our professors did in such a short amount of time. A lot of the professors I had don't I don't believe they have ever taught online before, or if they have, they haven't taught it extensively within the certain classes that I've been taking. And I think for the most part, they did an incredible job of being able to adapt and bring something very similar in quality, if not of the same quality, to an online setting as they would have in person. Obviously, I love being in classroom. I love interacting in person. So that would have been a million percent what I would have preferred. But I think at the end of the day, um, and then another thing too, Slippery Rock, I don't believe their tuition changes between summer and fall. I could be wrong, but we're the regular academic year. So I really don't think a change in tuition, at least for my university, is appropriate. Obviously, if it's, I'm not excluding that there can be a different situation for a different university. But as of my now, if Slippery Rock was online in the fall, I would be 100% comfortable paying with full tuition at this point. And again, that comes from a place of being able to pay tuition, being able to take out loans as well. I recognize that not all college students can feel that same way or feel comfortable with doing that. But as of now, I would say I'm not a fan of the full tuition reimbursement, but the fees and anything on campus you wouldn't get otherwise through an online setting, I would advocate for a reimbursement for. I Just real fast, I'll pitch in because I, I like the points that Hannah's making. I think it's a, it's a hard situation to cover. Um, the things that you can measure, like housing and food, I think that that's appropriate to refund, and I'm glad that they are. But in terms of education, well, I don't feel like I was getting the same amount or same level, if you will, as I would have if we were in person. I think it's impossible to measure, okay, the students are losing X amount of money because they're now getting their education online and things to that nature. So if there was a better way to measure that, then I would say go for it. But because there's not, there's really no ways that universities can do it. And as well as that, they are already hurting on refunds. At least I know RMU is. People are already hurting on refunding the money that they have. So if I care about my school and I want to go back and have the same level of experience that I have now and enjoy it, then I can't ask too much. And it, it hurts to say because the money definitely makes a difference, but you got to give some, you got to take. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that. Thank you very much for sharing. Uh, like I said, I know it's a tough time and uh, it's definitely not easy for anybody. And again, from your perspective, 
what have you noticed from people your age or if you've had family or friends maybe that were in high school or recently out of it? Um, overall, how would you say people, I mean, in quote, quote, your generation, whatever, however you want to say it, how are they handling it in, in, your, in your mind, in your eyes, like seeing how this has played out, would you say has been going better than what people are giving people credit for or overall what's your feel on that take? I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> Again, it's going to be case by case, obviously, in terms of, you know, some doing better than others. Um, but I just didn't know if you noticed a lot of um, more pessimism, more optimism, people adapting well, uh, struggling with different things more so. I feel like it's easy to see pessimism more often. And I feel like for me, that's kind of the more noticeable emotion overall. And I see that. I don't say that for my situation in particular, because I like to be an optimistic person. And I like to see the good. And I have want to give credit to everyone who was able to make this semester online go as well as it could under these circumstances. Um, to, I sorry, mean, to for, sorry to interrupt you for a second, but on that note of optimism, what do you have to say about uh, JB's hair going there? The, you, have, you have some positive <laughs> things to say about, about how he's looking there, looking pretty good? <laughs> I mean, hey, Outer Banks is popular right now, so. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, no. I think it looks great, though, honestly. <laughs> Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Back with no, your, you're, you're giving a better answer, and I just ruin things. That's what I do. On this show. So, you are go. all good. But um, so I have a younger sister. She's from the class of 2018, and she actually goes to a community college. But her program is much more hands-on. She's in a culinary program. So for her, I think it was a lot more difficult for her because for me, I only had a broadcast class, which yeah, I would have loved to have that in person. But online, my professor did great transferring that to online and I had four English classes which I got through <laughs> so I think for her it was more difficult especially not being in that community college aspect as well but a lot of there's a lot of social media negativity too and sometimes whenever I see a post from someone from my university it, it takes me back for a second you know I mean and I have I try to be as unbiased as possible as well but again I like to be an optimist whenever I can about my personal situation as well. So it's definitely difficult to navigate where that line of what's going to happen next and being able to be either um, pessimistic or optimistic about it. So I think a lot of that's going to be cleared up whenever we have a definitive answer about what's going to be happening in the fall semester. And I think we're not going to get a definitive answer until June or July. But it's just something I've been keeping my eye on, really. But it, it's really hard to not go a day on social media and find a negative post about everything that's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. It's an unfortunate reality. Right. Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, how can listeners find your work and connect with The Rocket or WSRU TV? All right, so you can follow me directly on Twitter. That is hshumsky underscore ed. You can follow The Rocket on social media at SRU Rocket. And then our website is theonlinerocket.com. And you can also follow WSRU TV News at WSRU TV. Thanks so much, Hannah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, after the break, our exit ticket. We'll be right back after this. Pod for Teacher is brought to you by Banana Bread. That's right, Banana Bread. 
specifically banana bread with no walnuts because why mess with perfection? Quarantine baking is a real phenomenon, and according to the internet, everyone is baking banana bread right now, as well they should. I say right on. Much like banana milkshakes, shut up, man. Hey, uh, up, mate? Banana bread is delicious. So no, COVID-19 is not sponsored by banana bread, Karen. Pod for teacher is, boom. Karen. <laughs> oh, so this was a this was a this was certainly a podcast that was full of lots of provoking thoughts. What have we learned throughout all of this? Anything, or are we still learning? I I'm not sure. Aaron, I, I think uh, that's a great point. We are still learning and have lots of learning left to do. Um, but uh, everyone's perspective is different, you know. I mean, I, I think that um, I think we learned through you know talking to teachers last episode, talking to students this episode, and hearing uh, from um, hearing students' stories that you know, like everybody's perspective is different, and it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be bummed out. It's okay to be frustrated. You know, even if you believe in medical technology and listening to the experts, it's okay to be upset that you can't go do certain things and experience certain things or that you're missing out on certain things. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I mean, if anything, you know, I, I think that like we kind of owe it to ourselves to, to try to be as much part of the solution as possible. Um, meaning that, you know, there are certain things that we cannot change. Like there was a piece of advice that like, that my dad gave me like several years ago, um, that like, it's always stuck with me since he's, since he, he said it to me and it was that, you know, it's, there's really no point. It's kind of futile, um, trying to, they're stressing over or being upset about the things that you can't change. Um, because if you can't change them, they're, they're, you're just wasting your energy and your, your emotions. Um, but likewise, it's also futile to stress over the things that you can change because you need to have confidence in yourself and your, you know, your ability to, to make whatever moves necessary to make those changes happen. So there's so many of these things that we can't affect. Right. But, um, I don't know. I, I think look for the, look for the, the windows of opportunity that, that do exist. Right. So like we, you know, we, we, we can't see each other in person the, the way that we'd like to, right. We can't. We can't connect in that way or we can't go to some of our favorite places or, or do some of our favorite things but there are probably lots of different ways that we can kind of work around those things i, I think there are things that we can we can do in the meantime maybe rediscover old passions and, and hobbies and um and you know be with each other however we can but don't forget that you know everybody else is going through the same thing and that um you know maybe you're having a good day maybe someone else you know might not be and that might be the greatest day to try to, you know, spend some of your free time checking in with the people that, that matter the most to you. So, um, I don't know. I think if we err on the side of optimism. Like I, I know the hardest part about this whole thing we kind of mentioned before John mentioned it before is not knowing a, a hard end date. Like I think if, even if we, someone told us today, Hey, um, May 20th of 2021, everything can open back up and the world can be the exact way that it was before this whole thing started that would really suck. Like that would really, really be hard to know that we have an entire year left to deal with this. But in some ways it would almost be comforting to know that, okay, now I can kind of pace myself. Now I know, like I know how I've made it these the last two months. Um, and now I got 
you know, I, I got 12 more to go and I can make this happen. I can do it. Right. Um, but that, I know with that being the hardest thing, I, I, you know, I'd say focus on the things that we can control and the, the things that we can affect and, and the people that matter the most. And I, and I think that'll help us kind of get through and see it, see it through to the end of the finish line. I like your thoughts. More importantly, does your dad listen to the podcast? You, you gave him a lot of credit. I, I'm not sure he knows what a podcast is. Uh, and if he did, he would he would certainly listen to more entertaining podcasts like uh, Where's the News? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just I, I, I my dad knows what a podcast is. So, <laughs> uh, What I was kind of going off of that, the idea of optimism, but I think it's important to remember in terms of um, history, humanity, the human spirit, because a lot of times, obviously, in history classes, it's very easy to point out the conflicts that have evolved over time. But we would not be where we're at today without all the cooperation, you know, the years of cooperation, of working together. And you look around, you can kind of see that playing out. We mentioned, hey, Beyonce is given a commencement speech. But it's like people like pulling together because it's unfortunate that it takes these real extreme situations to kind of let people focus on what's really important. And we kind of break down a lot of things that divide us. In these sort of times of crisis, people tend to rally together. They seem to, seem to come together. And what typically keeps us apart isn't really a big issue you know at the time and so i think that's an important thing to remember is that in these difficult times there's a lot of positivity in terms of people willing to help each other out right hey maybe maybe you actually talk to a neighbor that you've lived by for years but you never actually said hi to them right so like those small little things can have a big impact on your day on somebody else's day like like fitz you're saying reaching out to people and so i think it's important to remember even though there's a lot of negativity maybe on social media, a lot of pessimism. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, in these sort of crises, people are resilient and people really do want to look out for one another and help each other out. And um, it is, in a sense, it's nice to see that these maybe less important things not keep people apart. And obviously we're separated physically, you know, social distancing. But, you know, in a term of human connection, I think there's a lot more of that going on around the world through the technology that we have, through the different things. And so in that regard, that's a very positive thing to see. And so that's something that I'm learning. Obviously, talking with Hannah, with John, with uh, our colleagues, everybody has can, can kind of, I think, attest to that. Yes, there are people still struggling heavily with it, what's happening. Um, we're not all saying everything is, as Kristen did earlier, you know, through rose-colored glasses. We understand the reality of the situation. Um, but in the midst of the chaos, right, in the midst of that struggle, we see a lot of positive things still happening. And I think that's what we really need to hold on to and, and take away from all of this. You know, I, I don't think either of you, like, I, I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but you, you, I echo both your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I don't get, I don't get uh, support too often because I usually just say dumb stuff. So I appreciate that, K Mills. You're uh, welcome. You're welcome. I, I'm not sure I have anything to add except that I, I might write a card and put it in the mail. Just well, I'm, expect, I'm expecting one from John. He said he'd write them. Right. So I'm going to be checking that mailbox like a, like a person waiting for the ice cream truck coming down the street. So anxious, excited. Who did it come here today? Did it come today? You had it. And then you told me that you were more excited for Hannah to be on than me. I don't know. <laughs> anymore. It was a joke. It was for the, it was, it was for the viewers, the listener. Uh, yeah. for the likes. I'm sort of Mr. Milanovic on this one. Uh, I agree. I think that you guys both sort of covered it perfectly. Um, but just to sort of add some more perspective to what you guys were saying, we'll sort of bring it back locally. And just within this episode, 
I've seen and heard what you guys have done to sort of become more flexible with what's going on right now. And I've seen my parents, my mom works at the school as well. She's going and uh, participating in food distributions that Freedom is doing. I've seen my brother every day. He's participating in calls done through teachers that I've grown up with and know. So I think that on a local level, I believe that we're seeing that there's a lot of flexibility around our area. And I don't want to, I'm sure your audience is far and wide, but I just wanted to say for those who are listening that are local, uh, I've learned that, you know, there's a lot of flexibility going on here than those that uh, people might think. And I think that's important. And we should remember that if anything similar to this comes our way again. And you mentioned your mom, John. Does she listen to your podcast? She does. Oh, yeah. So take that with your dad. <laughs> to be fair, I don't even know if my parents know that I do this. I think I've told them in passing. Maybe I did. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just you know, I want, I want, I want the the listenership to grow organically. You know what I'm saying? I don't. As I as I self as I shamelessly wear our pod for teacher T-shirt anytime publicly that I can. So. I'll make a deal with you, Mr. Langelli. Well, I can't guarantee a letter in the mail now. I may be able to guarantee the whole like five people that might listen to Where's the News will listen to this episode as well. Oh, <laughs> a nice spike in listeners. This episode, this episode, because John's on it. Well, <laughs> doesn't matter. But referring to that, John, JB, how can listeners find your podcast and follow your work at RMU Century Media? Well, matching Fitz's pattern of shameless pr promotion, I'm going to go out and say um, you can find our podcast on Spotify by simply searching Where's the News, uh, complete with, you know, conjunctions and question marks. You know the deal. Proper punctuation to Fitz's relief. Or on Podbean, yes, that's a real app under RMU Century Media. Our podcast is stationed under that radio station there. Our social media accounts are two different things right here on Instagram. It is where's underscore the underscores news. But on Twitter, it is just where's underscore the news. Changing it up there. I like it. <laughs> it's kind of ironic too. It's like it's like, where is it? Where is it? I, <laughs> if I don't underscore in the right spot, I'm not finding it. So I'm wondering where's the news. <laughs> There's a story behind that name, but I, I don't know if this is the time to tell. Perhaps another day. But in, gar in regards to just Army Central Media, you can just find it at armycentralmedia.com. And uh, you can see the, the long hair on camera there that Langelli seems to love. And uh, my Twitter is just John Blinn, too. I usually keep that up to date with any articles I put out. But that's about all. Well, thank you. That's all the time we have for today. If you've actually stuck around and listened this entire time, Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. We'd like to thank John Blinn and Hannah Shumsky for joining us and helping us wrap up season three. We've been on the air for three seasons of Pod for Teacher. Wow. We might be, I don't know, we might be, uh, well, I, I forgot the word. I'm, I'm moving on. Anyway, can you believe it? Kristen, first season now is in the books. First, you were a guest long ago. Now, you're a co-host. What do you think about that? Any regrets? Oh, funny, funny. Well, you know, I feel like I've come a long way. And I mean, I, I will echo the statements from all of our listeners far and wide that I, I, I've certainly brought something new to the pod with you two guys. And, and we're having a good time, right? But as I wrap this up and talk about, um, I have to, I, I think about 
the pod often. And so our Aww. intermediate unit um, throughout this COVID-19, they offered two evening seminars that are webinars that you can call in. And one was about anxiety and behavior and the sec- in children. And the second was about continuing motivation, whether it was your student or it was your child, you know, all different people were um, on the call. But anytime I'm, I'm on a webinar, I'd like to learn, at least have you know one takeaway minimum from each one. So the first one made me think of you guys and, and, and me often, but it's the acronym WAIT, W-A-I-T, and it stands for Why Am I Still Talking? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> it, that's absolutely perfect. I was like, Nate, that's so new. Like. <laughs> I do it for my own benefit, actually. I've loaded my talking, talking um, because, right, sometimes as a parent and, and as a pod host, you just talk, 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 talk when there should be no talking, right? How's so, that the acronym for, how's that not the acronym for waste? Yeah, I well, you know, I actually don't think still was supposed to be there. I misspoke. It's why am I talking? Oh, okay, okay. And, and then um, the other one, it was just letters that's APC. And it means agree, plan, and choose. And it's interesting because I was like, oh, that's that's kind of what we do on the pod. But yet you're you are guys are the better planners, right? But yet you did choose me to be a part of this team and I appreciate it. And I'm hopeful I'm invited back for season four. Now, now we're we're happy you're with us, but did we choose her? Or was she really I think she was hounding us, Fitz, to really I, she was, I think what's that? Didn't I interview? <laughs> no, you, you're, in, you're in the long haul. You didn't know you that. You. All right, good, good. Our, good. Ship, our ship was sinking um, until you came aboard, so we yeah, needed right. you. John, actually, John Blinn told me that same thing right before the show. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't not trust a feathered hair. You know, uh, tall thank you. It's been a great season. I've really enjoyed it, and. Um, why am I talking? Thank you. <laughs> I'll rescue you here, Kristen. Um, you, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod for Teacher. You can find me at A Fitzpatrick CJE. I'm at Nlangeli. And I'm at K Milanovic. Tap that subscribe button and then sanitize your filthy hands because your phone has 10 times the amount of bacteria on it than your toilet seat. Actually, sanitize your phone too while you're at it. And if you feel that we've earned a virtual high five, we'll gladly accept those in the form of ratings and reviews. So leave them wherever you found our pod. We like stars as much as I like using quarantine as an excuse not to work out. And reviews help us find uh, more people to connect with. Until next time, stay safe. Have a great summer, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.